We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv an unmatched dual threat. Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports talent reps and their role in the ecosystem. Just a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice. It's all the information for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Athelius Papandos. He's the director of esports for EU for AZYT, esports talent agency. He was previously a co-owner of Sin Gaming in the Oceanic Pro League, as well as a team director for Mammoth, which was a League of Legends team in the Oceanic Legion. Previous to that, he was a share partner of Outpost Management, which is the Grammy and Multi Aria award-winning artist management company, working with acts such as Kimbra and Birdie Blackman, as well as discovering and developing musician Japanese Wallpaper. Thanks for joining us. Justin, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I'm glad that we got to do this. You know, you're definitely someone who I connected with and was, you know, very interested in your story because it was, you know, pretty similar to what I was kind of doing. Yeah, I mean, I always get excited to to meet other people that, you know, have come from the music industry and have landed themselves firmly in the esports slash gaming ecosystem. 
Yeah, so, you know, to kind of briefly introduce today's topic, we're going to be talking about player reps and kind of some of the responsibilities. So, you know, some of their major ones are, you know, negotiating the player talent deal with the organization, as well as pitching and negotiating any endorsement or marketing contracts, as well as if they're a free agent, potentially helping them find a new team. They're also pretty useful is that they're familiar with most esports tournament and league rules and other league matters, as well as some legal stuff, whether it's taxes or visas and immigration stuff. Some of them also kind of act as a buffer to the outside world, whether it's interacting with press, coaches, owners, fans, and then in times of crisis, actually acting as you know crisis management assistance and making sure that the gamer does the right things and says the right things to keep prospering in their career. So now we know a little bit more about the responsibilities. Tell us a little about your past entertainment and esports experience. How'd you kind of get into this? Sure. So essentially a failed musician. I was a, I was, had dreams and aspirations to become, you know, a, a musician. And that it, it was as simple as that. And what did you play. I played piano. So as a, as a keys player and, and essentially wanted to make electronic music, I dipped my toes into the music industry and the kind of the, the scene and the network in Melbourne, Australia. I, I soon found out that I also equally enjoyed the business as, as much as the, and the development as much as the actual creation and realized there's also creativity in, in how you create business and how you essentially set yourself up or how you disrupt. So I created a record label, um, zero through nine. This was, I think I was just fresh out of high school. So it sounded like a, you know, a really fun initiative that there wasn't any sophisticated thinking to it. It was just, let's, you know, let's create a record label. And I did. And essentially, you know, the, the quick, uh, kind of short summary was that I signed an artist by the name of Japanese wallpaper. I also decided to manage Japanese wallpaper because it was essentially a way to keep the the rights internally and, and the management of that IP internally. And the debut track, which was the third release through Zero Through Nine and the debut of Japanese wallpaper, we were reached out by uh, to, by Mary Ramos, who is David Tarantino's music supervisor. She wanted the track Breathe In in Zach Braff's 2014 Hollywood film, Wish I Was Here. And it all essentially launched from there. So as a, you know, fresh out of high school, managing one of the, you know, upcoming biggest bands out of Australia. And we effectively went on this, on this, this journey together, you know, touring the world and creating, you know, releasing a lot of music successfully, um, a lot of domestic touring. And it was through, through that period of essentially representation that um, my other passion of, of gaming really, really kind of took hold as well. And equally as bad of, of, as a musician that I am, I'm probably just as bad at video games. Really? Not one game you're like good enough at? Maybe not a pro, but... Look, I mean, we could be here for a while trying to find something. Okay, that I'm, fine, fair you know. enough. You know, we're not all good at 2K like me. No, no, like kind of embarrassing, really. So essentially, I applied the, the thinking and the model of representation um, from the music industry into essentially esports. And with a, my business partner at the time and mentor, Mark Richardson, who is best known for 
uh, working with artists like Jamiroquai and Paul Weller and Travis, um, a, a really successful history in the UK, we founded an agency by the name of Rome together in Australia. The initial initiative was that representation piece but in you know 2015, especially in Oceania in the um, Australia slash New Zealand period uh, uh, territory, it, it, it wasn't a sustainable slash feasible business model. So we pivoted and we we effectively uh, we launched a uh, marketing um, a specialist marketing uh, arm, which kind of integrated the music and the gaming initiatives that we were running slash esports. So I did a lot of campaigns for musicians by the likes of XX Tension or, or Trippy Red or Fundamentals, which was essentially integrating music campaigns and album release campaigns onto platforms such as Twitch or, or you know, popular, you know, gaming influences for them to amplify the release. And you know, we we became the specialist agency creating those kinds of campaigns in Australia. Um, we sponsored the likes of PAX with the, their esports stage run by ESL uh, for for a festival, so Good Things Festival, where you know we you know there was thirty thousand people walking listening to Outcast or Baby Metal, and it was these these sorts of initiatives. It was the first time they were being created, um, especially in Australia, and you know definitely had our hand in in some really i would you know work that i'm proud of and that i haven't seen replicated or and just starting to see replicated now especially in the current circumstances of the world you know there's a lot more cross integration and um you know with gaming and music cultures and that's you know because of essentially you know they hold a very similar audience and they work by genres which is very interesting because you know games just like music you know you can you can attach certain game audiences to to certain you know uh, audiences of music which is a really interesting parallel so you know we really understood that space we also yeah. bought an esports team sing gaming which was responsible for signing players like ryoma fbi so we debuted them we debuted dokla so all lcs players and Dokla is now in Academy, but, you know, formally. And, of course, FBI, Golden Guardians and Ryoma on 100 Thieves. We is it, we sold Mammoth in, in 2018 to Luke Sayers and um, a consortium of investors. And Luke Sayers was the CEO of PwC up until recently in, um, in Australia and also the vice president of PwC in, in Asia-Pacific. So we, we had our fingers in a lot of pies through that specialist marketing piece all the way to the competitive side or, you know, essentially, you know, building a, and the League of Legends mammoth roster, which went to Worlds last year. And I think off the top four out of six of our players um, and some of our staff also went internationally playing for teams like Origin or Cloud9 Academy, et cetera. So we we that's that was kind of the pathway from from music you know starting off on essentially a record label to to create ip um learning and cutting my you know cutting my teeth on representation with musicians essentially integrating the two worlds through marketing and then you know going all the way to managing esports talent and now 
back to essentially where I started five years later in representing eSport talent um, on the agency side at AZYT Global Talent. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wersland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 11th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. So, you know, we're going to touch on the entertainment and music stuff a little bit later, but tell us a little bit more about kind of what you're doing there. You know, tell us about the agency. Sure. So AZYT is one of the first global esport agencies. So we have offices in China, in Korea. We're headquartered out of Los Angeles. And we also have intentions to, to create an office and establish an office in Europe. So I'm the director of Europe for esports at AZYT. And I'm essentially working on building that portfolio of, of course, players across North America, and of course, Europe, and also developing the infrastructure and connect so we've had a lot of success in Korea and China, and it's it's about replicating that success internationally. Okay, so you know, kind of, how do you approach you know recruiting and scouting potential talent that you work with? It's a it's a great question. I think, and I, I'm sorry, I can't help myself, but you know, use the the you know the music um, similarities if you like, and and one of the biggest advantages of esports and and the streaming world as well is the the richness of data and the available data you know for for music you know sometimes you hear something you like on soundcloud or you know maybe it's a little further down the end and they've distributed something and if it's on spotify and then you will go see that band for within esports let's use league of legends for an example i'm watching 
matches globally, you know, from the Turkish leagues to the Brazilian leagues to even, of course, you know, always have my sights on the oceanic region just because of obviously um, just fond of it. And it's, you know, the, the data that is available, um, it's obviously important to have a wide scouting network as well of connect and being able to, I mean, being a, a great agent is all about having fantastic relationships. But then it also comes down to your eye. And I think I've pretty, been pretty lucky in that I've, you know, I've, I've just been lucky in finding great talent throughout my life, you know, early days Japanese wallpaper or, you know, working with players early days like Ryoma and FBI or, or Fudge. It's sometimes you can just recognize great talent and, you know, it could be from just watching them play. It could be, you know, from having a conversation with them after, or it could be a multitude of things of just, you know, having access to some of their data and recognizing statistically that they're a fantastic player, followed by a killer attitude towards life and towards improving and development. And also just that intrinsic um, barometer almost where you just, sometimes you just recognize greatness and I, I don't think I have the exact science to it. Otherwise, I, you know, you probably, um, I would, you know, that would be an amazing thing. Across the ball, but it's it, it's essentially, um, you know, it's just it's a it's a few things. Yeah. So, I, you know, something interesting that you talked about is yeah, you have to be a great player, but something you mentioned that you know I think is unique is that you know you have to be able to develop they have to have a good actor and a good personality kind of elaborate on that like yeah you have to be able to perform but what else do you kind of look for in a talent that you're you know trying to work with and grow people that are willing to remain students of life and continually grow and you know there's there's, there's no room for ego in development and as soon as that you, you know you think you're the best you know, someone's you know, someone's going to overtake you Everyone's talented. There's talent. There's an abundance of talent. It is about the execution. It is about your work ethic. And I've seen that time and time again in the music industry, where you, know, you recognize just a musician that's phenomenally gifted, but just doesn't want to apply themselves. And equally, you know, you see that in esports. And so, for me, just you know, having you know, close to a decade of, you know, working with talent now. So it, that is, it is such a key factor for me in terms of success is just recognizing that they're willing to, to go above and beyond because when you watch the Olympics, people aren't winning by huge stretches of time. You know, they're winning by hundreds of a second. And it's, it's that fight for that hundredth of a second that makes a difference. And that's what I'm looking for when, you know, when I recognize talent or, you know, I, I look at them on paper and go, look, you're an amazing player and watch them perform. And it's clear that they're, they're, they're a good player, but it's also, are they willing to become a great player? And do they have what it takes to become the best player? Because that's not a, a matter of just talent. That, that is, that is work ethic. And that's, you know, sheer grit and willing to continue when you know everything is getting tough and you know you've lost six matches in a row and it, and it feels like you can't pick yourself up but it's the players that 
then go back to the to the studio to the office and grind out solo queue and watch their vods and you know recognize their own mistakes and take away that ego and go yes i did make a mistake there and this is how i will improve in the future and that's that's what i'm looking for well yeah i mean i think that's really important and then you know the thing that you said is you know that's really the difference between you know good and great is that attention to detail and the dedication and wanting to kind of go above and beyond what everyone else is doing absolutely um so yeah so i know that you kind of mentioned you work some other entertainers and musicians so kind of what are some differences that you've noticed working with some esports talent and you know individuals in the other talent and entertainment spaces so that's a that's a that's a really great question I think something that I have recognized, especially within the esports world, and I, and I really have to applaud a lot of players, is their, you know, going on my previous point, is their sheer determination to grind. Is that, you know, it is that will to continue improving and just playing solo queue. Um, and, you know, th- th- that is also a gift and a curse. You know, I, I do believe that, you know, you have to be... And, smart about how you develop and i think there's a lot of research and development in this space currently you know especially in the burnout sector and the kind of um in terms of mental health care in this space but especially in music you know sometimes there's just a a reluctance to do it it's you know I've, i've worked with musicians i've seen like i said fantastic musicians but sometimes they're just it's almost like you know, their ego gets in the way a little bit or for whatever reason, you just don't see them applying themselves as much. But having, you know, owned a team and you know, running a team and worked with incredibly young players, I don't think I've ever worked with a player that isn't willing to just grind. And I'm not sure where that culture is instilled from. And I know they all hold themselves to really high accountability with their work ethic. And that's something that I think is is amazing and is, is truly inspirational. And, you know, I think, like I said, that there hasn't been many conversations where I've had to say to a player, I need you to work harder. But also on that same note, I think, you know, we have ways to go in terms of working smarter in this space. Exactly. And realistically, to get to kind of the top, top level of professional gaming and esports, you have to have this dedication where it's not 24-7, but it's you know, pretty much close to being that as possible, where you're just consistently wanting to get better, getting better. You don't want to lose to anyone. And, you know, that's the kind of drive that maybe an artist or musician might not have. It's not about beating anyone or beating the charts or selling more records. It's, you know, more of a visceral, like, I want to get my art expressed this way and I want to say it how I want to say. Maybe some people aren't going to be happy with it, but that's kind of what I want to do. And, you know, I think that that's one of the things I noticed working with creative people, whether it's musicians, fashion designers, you know, painters, artists, like they just kind of sometimes have a vision for how they want to do it. And it might not be commercial viable or it might not even be legal or just might not be the best way to do it. At the end of the day, that's what they want to do. And they're going to do it because it's within their artistic vision and it's their creation. Absolutely. And and that's, you know, that's something that, I do like about esports slash sports in general. It's, you know, that road to success is very black and white. It's, you know, you, you win or you lose. And, you know, sometimes you can have the 
best week of preparation and it doesn't show on stage. Or you can have a terrible week of preparation and you can have, you know, you can win every match over the weekend. And I've, you know, I've seen both sides of that coin. And at the end of the day, you just get given that result. It's, it's a win or it's a loss. But when you think about the, you know, the, the process and mechanisms behind releasing music or releasing a, a creative endeavor of whatever, you know, magnitude, there are so many different elements and aspects to that success. And, you know, a lot of people will stand up and, 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 own that success or as to why a record was successful or why they think an artist you know broke through but there could be any reason and there's often many reasons and they just align really well and for me i've always enjoyed that a little bit with on the esports side is that you just never know what's going to happen on the day and and then you just take that result and you build from that result um and sometimes it's not as clear cut in music but Equally, that's just, you know, that's just as exciting because, you know, you have to be creative strategically. Right. Like on any given Sunday, you can win or you can lose, you know, you just got to play the game. So, you know, I definitely see how, you know, the win loss category makes it a bit more definitive how well you did. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. You just, it's almost like you've just finished your homework and you just passed the result and that's that's it right there isn't there isn't anything to take other than what you've just you've just been given and there's lessons in both the wins and the loss but in terms of the result the result is the result so you know in addition what are similarities you see between you know esports and gaming world and the talent in it and the more traditional music world I think it's the constant ever shifting of the industries and you know a lot of people you know in terms of you know, people that enter the space in esports have sports backgrounds and a lot of initiatives that um, are being established in esports you know reflect sports models but for me personally and you know working on both sides of working with individual talent or you know working from the side of a team you know, for me personally, I, I, I think it resembles more the entertainment industry and the music industry by the constant shifting and development of IP, of copyright, of legislation in general. And also just the, you know, it's almost a little bit the wild west of negotiation and, and you know, and exploitation of talent, not so much in actually exploiting talent but you know in terms of amplifying their brands and procuring licensing deals etc yeah, there's no industry standard for a deal it's like whatever you can negotiate and however you can negotiate it's like that's really the deal most things aren't disclosed no one's saying oh ninja signed a three-year deal with adidas for 10 million dollars the same way traditional sports are no it's it's essentially being made up on the spot and um, well, not so much made up on the spot, but you, you, you're exactly right. The they're, they're, stakeholders are determining the values and applying the values to you know what they feel is adequate. Hundred percent. And I think the other big factor of this and why there's the constant development is the role technology plays in it. And you obviously in, you know, in esports you have the platforms, Twitch, YouTube, etc. But in music. 
you know, that you can really relate that that sort of the same narrative of how platforms and technology change the industry because you look at music and, you know, that, that's been its narrative and its history forever. You know, every time there was a new product to play music or the day that Napster came out and LimeWire, that completely changed the music industry. And then we had Spotify and music streaming. And again, that's changed the industry. And now, obviously, you know, we have seen what has happening or is happening with Twitch and, you know, streaming music on the platform. And it's just that constant of evolving of legislation, technology, and how it all integrates. And that's, that's the same journey that we're going through in esports right now. And it's, it's going to continually change. And I think as an agent or as a manager or as a stakeholder within the space, you, you, know, you need to be able to think on your feet and you have to think creatively because like you said, Justin, you know, the industry standard, we are creating the industry standard, right? And we are constantly evolving that industry standard by taking our learnings because it is a relatively new space. And especially with the introductions of, you know, of agencies, um, you know, protecting the rights of players and protecting the rights of streamers, these, this is all happening. This is all happening real time. And that's why when I see other people from the music industry in the space or the entertainment industry, they get it. They, you know, they're used to it. And it's because they're, the, the landscape of, of film and music has changed drastically over the, the last, you know, many you know, few years, if you like. So I think that's the biggest similarity is just the, the kind of chaos. But, you know, there the really is beauty, beauty in that chaos. And um, people from the music industry and the entertainment industry in general seem to, you know, be really well poised for that success. Well, yeah, you know, it's funny. I kind of come from the tape cassette to CD transition where like I remember one summer going with my tape Walkman to the next summer going with my CD disc man. And you know, <laughs> I know my dad has been in the industry, went from vinyl to tape to see, you know, from a track. So it's just, you know, interesting that you kind of mentioned the technical evolution where it's, you know, figuring out how to deal with these different mediums where CDs dominated and now vinyl and all that stuff. You couldn't do that. And CDs were just so cheap and easy to re reproduce that you were just making so much money. And then you had the MP3 download, which cut out the whole need for that. And then you have now Spotify, which cut out the need for a download. And it's really kind of being able to adapt to these changes. And, you know, something else that I had noticed was, you know, just the way you approach a talent or an individual or an influencer in the music world. It's really similar to that of the gaming world where especially with the streamers and people that are trying to be content creators, they're trying to build this persona, this marketable image, which is similar to how, you know, a musician or a DJ or a producer kind of has their own image, whether it's the imagery on their album cover or the fonts that they use or the clothes that they wear, or, you know, pretty much everything aesthetically about them is all part of their image and their branding. And that was something that I really noticed in the esports and gaming space is that the most successful people that is part of them whether it's a ninja's headland and his blue hair or you know dr disrespect's whole mustache and you know get up to you know everyone else's unique uniform whether it's the cosplay girls who are you know playing games playing league of legends and dressed like a league of legends person or you know just whatever makes someone happy is one of the biggest similarities that i've noticed 
Absolutely. And it, it's a very, you know, the, the cultures have so many parallels and that goes down to the audience as well. And the reason these talents are, you know, are, are taking or creating these brands is because it's resonating with these audiences. And like I said earlier in the piece, you know, it's, it's genre driven and defined. And that's, you know, that's another similarity that I see in um, a lot of campaigns that I've done, you know, like for the like life. EDM dance world versus the more hardcore punk and rock and hip hop. So it's like each kind of scene has a different, you know, demographic that likes the music similar that's, to that's exactly right and it you know for for in terms of marketing that makes it quite easy right it's i can choose x genre of music and apply it to x game or x esport league and there'll be a crossover because i know the audience that participates in this game and participates in the viewing of this esport league resonates with this style of music and you know that's that's a huge cultural crossover they're kind of synonymous with each other and a lot of this these brands and you know the talent they recognize that and they they amplify that through essentially just like an artist would is is developing their own creative vision to to resonate with that yeah yeah so i mean you know a point that you brought up a little bit earlier and that i want to flesh out a little bit you mentioned that Traditionally, some of the brands and maybe some of the other stakeholders had a lot more of the power and may have taken advantage of gamers. And, you know, how do agents like yourself kind of work to protect them and kind of balance the scale a little? I guess it's just having an, uh, the knowledge and the understanding of deals and deal making and, and essentially knowing what is the value of the talent that you are representing and what they deserve essentially and not emotionally deserve but fiscally in terms of you know these are our numbers this is our market value and you know we we have a model to to essentially apply to that so it's not numbers that we've just fabricated it is it is genuine knowledge and it's essentially coming into the piece and and having a real understanding of of, of our value and and fighting to get that it is it is simple as that and also you know the the other thing is having an understanding of the types of deals that are happening within the industry right it's you know justin you 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 noted early in the piece that a lot of this is behind closed doors you know a lot of these deals aren't being shared but an agent's you know the, the other aspect of you know being a great agent is to have that knowledge is to have the understanding of what is happening and getting exactly. that who's getting what what the going rate are for players and what these different numbers mean in dollar value exactly so while whilst it's important to understand our value it's also important to have as much information on the, the brand or the team that you're in negotiation with to know what they're willing to comfortably, comfortably spend or are spending and beginning discussions from there. So it, it's in terms of, you know, the, the process on, on behalf of the talent, it's quite simple. I'll work and fight my hardest to procure them the best deal that I can. And, but I guess the way that I, I, I operate is, you know that deal is based on on hard facts and and knowledge and understanding of the market at play, but also you know the value of the talent. Okay, so I think that's you know interesting. Just 
focusing on this side a little bit more. Do you believe that you know collective bargaining agreements and salary caps will kind of develop and have a similar income and impact the way that they do in other sports? This is a really interesting question because I guess I've been you know, approached from this, from these kinds of discussions from two sides. Obviously, being a previous team owner, you know, I'm not unfamiliar with the conversation. And I understand from the, the team side as to why it works. Of course, I get it, right? They, it, it, you know, for, on their behalf, they, they see it as a way to maintain integrity of the, of the competition. But going back to what I just said, Justin, you know, I personally, as an agent, my job is to understand the value of my client and to procure work that essentially meets that value. So personally, I see collective bargaining agreements or essentially salary caps as a limitation. And for me, esports is is defining its own path. And I guess my question to your question is, you know, should we be looking as, at traditional models, so to speak, as an answer to what we're achieving and developing on our own trajectory? I mean, I think that, you know, you bring up interesting sides to both of it where, you know, the sour cap is, okay, this is, you know, we don't have the Yankees bidding twice as much for every other player now bidding us. And we also kind of have an idea of what we're going to be spending X amount of years. And then the other side was like, not all players are created equal. Like, you know, I've said this before, not all talent is created equal. Different individuals have different values and have created standalone worth that they can decide certain things that, you know, whether you're faker getting an actual ownership in the team because you're just so valued that we want you part of the team and that this is how we're able to compensate you and your affiliation with the brand. Whereas that would never fly in traditional sports, giving LeBron an ownership in the Lakers. Exactly. And there have been so many success stories. And I think the accessibility to becoming a pro player is, is much, you know, the bar is much lower, right? Like we, let's, let's use Mad Lions for an example. They are the perfect example of incubating talent, right? They've, they've, they brought so many players up from the European regional league system in League of Legends. And right now, you know, with the re- regular split finished for summer in the LEC, they're sitting at number two. If you, you know, I have no inside information as to, you know, how they, they spent their budgets, but, you know, on paper, that is a development roster that succeeded. And if teams are looking at collective bargaining agreements, uh, as a as a way to kind of scale the balance of investment into players, then it, it, essentially for me, I'm I'm wondering if there's other uh, you know opportunities in terms of you know creating successful rosters that isn't just limiting the investment into talent because you're absolutely right you know the pl- players create their own self worth outside of just their their mechanics if you like they create their own brands which bring so much to a team and. For, for that value, they need to be paid for it, is, is the way I see it. It's, it's pretty black and white for me. Again, you know, obviously this comes with the bias of being an agent and, and representing my talent. I, you know, that's, that's the side of the fence I sit on. But I guess for me, and, and as well as that philosophical question of, should we be looking at traditional models to 
you know, and, and essentially old solutions for new problems that we're having. Right? Um, I think that's, that's something that will continue to develop. And, you know, the teams as part of franchise systems, I'm sure will be having those discussions internally. But, you know, I, I equally, I look at success stories um, of teams that aren't, you know, potentially investing as much as other teams and, and, and winning. And I think that's, that's the digital era. And, you know, that's the same as the music industry. That's another parallel, you know, original early days, it was, you needed a record label. There was no way you could fund yourself to, to record music. That just wasn't feasible, right? To, to cut tape. Talk to the amount of people that you needed to talk to. Yeah. There was just, there's just no way. But now, you know, the, the cost of a home studio, that's nothing, right? Everyone can make their own. Free, YouTube's free, you know, TuneCore's not that much. Exactly, right? So, and how many bedroom producer su- success stories have we seen? Like, you know, Flume or, you know, Chet Faker going home uh, after an evening and recording the, you know, no diggity cover and just uploading that and going, you know, number one on Hype Machine and becoming a project, right? Like, it, wasn't he the MySpace hero? Yeah, right. So for me, you know, you, you can see those success stories happening in esports as well. And I think as opposed to limiting investment or, um, you know, opportunity, I think we should just be, you know, for teams, just be looking at, you know, other ways to invest. Because I think in terms of scouting players and development of players, I think there is a long way to go. And there's a lot of things that we're just discovering. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely kind of agree with that. So what's kind of the future of talent representation side of the esports space? Is it going to be more global agencies or, you know, develop, development of ones for specific games, like, you know, just a CSGO agency or, you know, Fortnite agency? In terms of independent games, I think, you know, that's happening because of agents that have a successful history in those games. And, uh, you know, they're carving their own niche out through the successful networks that they have and using that to essentially establish a base before, you know, building a portfolio in, in, in other titles. I think that's, that's safe to say that I'm seeing that globally already with many independent or small agencies or even some of the larger agencies. In terms of the future of representation, well, it's I, like, is it going to be like everybody needs an agent to get on a team or you still think that like, you're just going to get a random DM from a team and they'll sign you. I, th- I, th- I think that it will forever be the case as much as record labels will continue to reach out to artists direct and sign them without a manager. I think, you know, for teams that for a lot of teams, they would be happy to negotiate directly. They'll probably get a better price for themselves and, you know, have a better deal. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, that I always, you know, um, it's, it's, it's always great to take the shadows out of a room and especially working with young talent, you know, it's as a previous, um, team owner would always advise on, you know, having, having legal counsel or making sure that they, they seek, great representation in that process because it's it's so important for the player to to be you know essentially have a deep understanding of what they're, they're signing on to so in terms of the representation how you know that will continue to develop 
you know, teams are operating almost, you know, they are operating as scouts. They're, they're constantly on the clock building their own systems to essentially track solo queue in, in titles and effectively using data to, to find the, you know, the next upcoming faker or, or reckless, etc. So yes, I think they will continue to try and go and direct. Absolutely. I don't think it will, you know, for universally, I don't ever think it will be a case of you need an agent to be on a team, but I'm starting to see, um, certain change in narrative in some organizations where they do advise players to seek representation from a lawyer and an agent because again it solidifies that process and gives a deeper understanding for the players which potentially helps later down the line if there is a misunderstanding around that agreement for whatever reason so i think if anything were to stay you know the same i think Actually, the one more point on that, I think other organizations are starting to become more welcoming of, of agents because, again, of, of just the history of esports and, and certain leagues, et cetera, you know, and how it's operated for a long time, you know, agents are relatively new to the space and, you know, they're often coming across as these middlemen. And I think uh, some of some of these agencies and some of the you know the perception around agents is starting to change, which is having a great effect, and it's you know making a lot of these negotiations much easier because it's with the intention to to either get a deal done or effectively just move on. There isn't that period of questioning as to why there is an agent involved when you know a few years ago that wasn't the case. And yeah, (laughs) sorry, I just ranted a little bit then. No, no. I mean, I think it's great because it's something that I've kind of noticed in my, you know, years of doing this on both the agent and some of the team side where it's like as a team, yeah, you should get someone to read this 20, 30 page agreement that you're signing a multiple year deal that's prepared by a big law firm or a big team. Like you need to understand what you're signing is enforceable and is real. And realistically, depending on how old you are, that's going to might be the rest of your career or have some impact on it. And kind of what you're mentioning is that now some of these owners and people that are involved are like, Oh, okay. The lawyer's on it. Let me talk to the lawyer. Or like, you know, they're already kind of more inviting in the conversations. Whereas sometimes the team owner might be like, Oh, like just sign it. Or like, you know, we're waiting on you. Like, you know, can you get them to move? And they kind of pressure the players a little bit. But at this point, I think, you know, everyone's realizing that we need this balance, that there's a reason every other traditional industry has these, you know, whether it's attorneys, lawyers, accountants, business managers, agents, marketers, anyone that helps with the professional side of the industry because they're necessary and they are the great equalizer and they do make sure that you don't sign something that you're going to regret three months later, six months later, a year later, two years later, five years later. You know, you have no idea what can happen and what can change in your development. And if you don't even have someone that could potentially see what could happen or explain to you why something might impact your ability to do X or Y, then you're not even going to know and you're not even going to believe it until it happens. You're like, oh, no, I can't believe I signed this deal. Like, I didn't realize that I couldn't do this. Well, if you had someone from the beginning explain it to you, then you would have known. Absolutely. And back to your point about teams becoming more inviting you know they've recognized that as well 
It's it's not like a team ever wants a conflict with a player. So for them to have someone as part of that process and to guide a player through that 20, 30 page agreement, you know, that saves them future headaches potentially. And that's and that's, you know, for them, that's worth the investment. Right? And that's that's worth working together in terms of, you know, being on opposite ends of the table, but working towards that deal. And that's that's certainly something that I'm I'm recognizing that's starting to change and it, it is a welcome change and it's you know, I could you know sound a bit contradictory to other things that I've said on this this episode, but that is a, a traditional model, like you've just said, um, from other industries that we should absolutely take um, hold of and run with. And yes, absolutely, teams will continue to go direct. Of course, you know, there will always be that that process. As as you know, in film, you know that will continue. That they will try to bypass an agent for you know a, a quick event for you know a sponsorship deal because you know because it, it, the agent doesn't get paid if you don't. Totally right. Like it, that that is always going to happen. Um. So yeah, don't don't see that changing anytime soon. But again, uh, and I think just that, um, yeah, I think that's that's probably it. I think it's probably those two things. Okay, so you know, shifting gears a little bit in the recent months and even before that, there's been a series of traditional music, sports, and entertainment partnerships in esports and gaming, whether it's you know, musicians streaming on Twitch or some of these Fortnite in-game live concerts like with Marshmallow or Travis Scott or even Warner Music sponsoring the LEC. So what are your thoughts on this? You know, I know we started to talk about it a little bit, but, you know, why is this happening? You know, what are some benefits that you think esports and gaming are seeing from these integrations with the more traditional entertainment and music world? Firstly, I love it. And I've been a big advocate of this synergy for a long time and these integration pieces for a long time. Like I said earlier in the piece, I've done campaigns for the likes of Trippy Red. I've worked on the album Last A Trip where we sponsored some Twitch influencers um, and st- streamers to essentially play the record on their broadcast. Okay. Absolutely. So, you know, wearing some merch and making sure on Nightbot it was it was shouting out straight to the link tree for the record company and making sure those panels were integrated across their broadcast. Working with, you know, influencers like Muselk, who shouted out Trippy Red and asked him to play a game of Fortnite. And that wasn't when I put that campaign together, that wasn't just like, you know, let's let's just find the biggest influencer in a and Z for gaming and you know and and pair him up for this life's a trip record or the streamers that we worked with it was because i knew trippy red played a lot of fortnite it was it was throughout his instagram stories the entire time he was obsessed he would always post his victory royales etc so i knew that culturally trippy red was a fan of fortnite and i knew with that of course his fans would be playing fortnite so for me, it just made a lot of sense to to integrate the two worlds, and you know we had a lot of success in terms of um, the you know the kind of the the click throughs and the shout outs, and also just the user generated content that we we provided the record company. And to see these two worlds collide, I mean, when you think of it, it's 
games have always existed with music. You know, they're, they're synonymous in terms of their soundtracks, but also in terms of, you know, some of the best music that I've ever discovered have been from the FIFA soundtrack or the NBA 2K soundtracks or, you know, even GTA Radio. Right? So, you know, th- these two worlds have always been synergetic and esports and, you know, the world of streaming has just given, given us the mechanism outside of synchronization to integrate the two through marketing, if you like, because, you know, essentially getting your music as a musician onto the Grand Theft Auto soundtrack or, or, you know, FIFA soundtrack, that is an extended long process that, and, you know, that, you know, FIFA or NBA um, 2K, you know, those come out yearly and it, it, it is a quite an extensive extended process, but having the, the ability to, connect with gamers through their platforms through just jumping onto a a twitch stream um, or twitch to stream like kenny beats for an example is for me personally it just makes so much sense and i think that's been amplified and accelerated due to covid19 you know especially for musicians they haven't had the ability to play live and live streaming has been a great way to to essentially connect with your audience in obviously not the exact same way, but in, in a way that is quite, you know, human and, and real time, which is, you know, what live music is. So, like I said at the beginning of this question, I've been an advocate for this for a long time. I'm so happy that it's it's starting to come more into the freight and more into the picture for a lot of these record companies. You know, Warner's sponsoring the LEC is a brilliant move, right? especially when we've had the licensing issues of um, Twitch recently and how that's developing. To have a record company that is essentially got record of the week or record of the day playing on a stream with you know hundreds of thousands of people not just watching but actively engaged and participating in each moment of that broadcast you know they're they're taking and consuming that information and consuming each aspect of that live stream and as a fan that you know they're, they're digesting that and taking that forward and and you know onto themselves and that's you know that's the beginning of you know how can we turn fans of music from passive listeners to you know engage listeners to essentially that super fan piece and gaming is now becoming a step in the record label conversation or even agents conversation um you know something that i worked on last year with my good friends at untitled group um who own an array of music festivals in australia so for beyond the valley we ran the first Australian music festival Twitch stream. And it wasn't a broadcast of the music. It was actually a broadcast of, you know, we had a lot of artists that played at the music festival come backstage and play video games. Backstage, okay. Yeah, and invite their friends uh, and and fans to engage with with them on Twitch chat. So we had, you know, Chris Lake playing um, the Beyond the Valley uh, Fortnite character. And we had Meg Mac playing Mario Kart with her friends um, and and fans online. And gosh, we uh, who else do we have? We had Hobo Johnson, who had, was a big, I believe he was a Chelsea fan, and he was playing FIFA. And Chelsea had just beaten Arsenal that day. And as a fellow Chelsea fan, we we were very happy. 
And we, we, it was just this interactive and, again, I think the best way to put it is just human marketing piece that, again, just allowed fans who weren't at the festival or, you know, um, even you know, some that were to, to engage with their with a favorite artists um, in a new way. And some of them potentially on a platform that they, you know, they exist on and something that they're really passionate and a, a passionate user of. So personally, um, you know, a lot of this work that I did in, in, in the marketing um, or this part of Rome, you know, the early days I was doing a lot of this and personally I just get excited talking about it and, and also, you know, watching other kind of industry professionals really run with it. And again, the development of technology allowing in-game stream, uh, in-game in festivals or in-game performances like Travis Scott that has to be one of the most amazing things and one of the most amazing accomplishments that, you know, I've seen in, in the tech world. And, you know, it's just an exciting time that it encompasses my two passions of, and two worlds of gaming and music. So personally, I feel like I'm just at the right place at the right time. And, you know, a lot of the marketing initiatives that I was running in this space was just because I was passionate about it and saw that synergy between the audiences and, you know, going back to that genre um and now you know due to you know obviously circumstances with COVID-19 you know the record industry is looking for for new ways to interact and engage with fans and you know through gaming technology and communities that's that's actively becoming more of a discussion and for a lot of companies and record companies you know it's it's proven to be a success so you think this is going to be the new trend that we're going to see more, you know, record labels and even movie studios beginning to continue working in the gaming space, whether it's esports or just even gaming influencers? Yes, I, I, I think so. Absolutely. I just would say that they would need the right person to, to, so when they're coming in and, and partnering in this space, it is, it is partnering so it become you know it comes across as authentic and you know authenticity is so important both within music fans and also gaming fans and esports fans for for them and so absolutely i see this becoming more and more a trend and not so much just a trend but a, a discussion point because that's the other thing is that a lot of musicians are gamers especially when they're touring and they're just traveling around endlessly you know that they're most likely playing Animal Crossing, right? <laughs> like they've probably gotten it. It's always a brick breaker in our phone, so. Totally, right? So it's, it's you know, there's, there's even, there's even, I guess, um, synergy and crossover in the technology. So, you know, the, for the record companies potentially you know, listening, I would just say, or, you know, even film people part of the entertainment world i think it's just important to have a person who who is driving these initiatives to have a real key understanding of the cultures um to deliver campaigns and initiatives that are authentic and not just coming over the top and essentially just you know coming across as advertising because that isn't the point of platforms like twitch and it isn't and it isn't the culture that you know resonates um with these kinds of initiatives and ideas it's you have to be more creative than that and you know these platforms are giving us endless opportunity 
to to essentially be creative. So there's really no excuse to not be able to facilitate that success. Yeah, you know, I've been definitely for a long time been telling my musician clients that you got to check out Twitch. You can do so much with it. It's a great way to engage. And now they're all on it. And it's like telling you for two, three years that like you could have been using this. And, you know, it's interesting that people are really starting to see the value in it. And, you know, just kind of a point that you brought up to kind of bring it all together is the Travis Scott thing worked because he played Fortnite and he was known to play Fortnite and he was part of the whole big Drake and Ninja thing. So it's not just someone saying, oh, I want to do a concert in Fortnite. It's like I'm actually known to be in this community that I like playing the game, that I'm known to play the game, and it fits within who I am. That's critical, and that's, you know, it's, uh, that's always been a, a really critical aspect of musicians, you know, back to early days of the term selling out for, for doing a, you know, a campaign, and that only recently changed. Um, in terms of musicians doing sponsorships. So absolutely, you know, you musicians shouldn't be just trying to enter this space because, you know, they, you know, they want to just latch onto something. It has to be authentic. It always has to be authentic. And that's, that goes back to my previous point that, you know, I think this will continue to develop in terms of the understanding and obviously the, the kind of, the development of tech to allow the application of the, the two worlds integrating, but it needs to be driven by people that really do understand, you know, the platforms, the communities, the different intricacies of different esport leagues or different intricacies of different games and the communities that follow them. What's, you know, you know, I guess that has been solved that piece of the puzzle. And I think it's just going to be an incredibly exciting space with amazing initiatives and, you know, there's just no limits to how far you know, technology can go in terms of you know, what we're seeing with Fortnite and their in-game performances and what Tomorrowland, for an example, is building with their, you know, their gamified version of their festival. Right? These are all amazing initiatives that are starting to happen. And, you know, that goes back to essentially you know, what I said earlier in the piece is that these these ideas and initiatives are being you know created and from circumstances or developments in legislation or you know again COVID nineteen and you have to be able to adapt and that's why I think we're you know seeing a lot of success from key players that are coming from the music industry or entertainment business into the world of esports and gaming. Awesome. So you know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you. Where can we follow you? Sure. Justin, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I, I Disclaimer, this is my first podcast ever and I did have a really good time. So I'm on LinkedIn, so you can look me up, Achilles Papantos. Um, otherwise, if you want to get in touch, you can just head over to the AZYT website as well and there's, there's contact information there. Um, and my email, which I'm happy to just give out publicly, is just helios at azyt.com. So feel free to connect, and I'm always happy to discuss the evolution of this space and cultural crossovers as well between music and gaming. And if there's, you know, you know, opportunities for stakeholders that want to essentially, you know, work with individual talent or you know, looking for talent, always happy to have those discussions as well. Okay, so, you know, thanks everybody again for tuning in and 
Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Justin J E S Q, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24 7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.